Yahweh Shalom. We know that God has many different names in the Bible, and Yahweh Shalom is one, and it means that God is peace. That's what we're going to be talking about today, peace, as we lit the peace candle for the second week of Advent, and as we go forth with the message today, we're going to be talking about peace. So we know that peace is something that is highly sought after, tends to be not easily found, tends to be a rare commodity. And I remember when I was a kid, whenever we would ask my mom, you know, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Christmas, Mother's Day? She would always say, peace of mind, which I would always just kind of like brush off. That's ridiculous. I mean, what do you really want, mom? Peace of mind. And as I've grown up and grown older, and I'm sure many of you guys have understood this as well, is that peace of mind is something that we really crave. Peace in our soul is something that we really all kind of seek after. And so I woke up this morning, it was before anybody else in the house was up, and the sun was just beginning to rise, and I went downstairs and I put my nice little espresso pot on the stove, you know, waiting for that, that golden coffee to just start bubbling, and I went out onto my back deck in my pajamas, and the sun was just starting to rise. I can't really see the sun, but I can see the colors in the sky you know, the pink and the red as it starts rising. And I stood on my deck and I just took a deep breath and I started thinking, you know, what is it that brings me peace? What are those things that give me peace? Certainly as I stood there waiting for my coffee to brew and just looked at the creation and listened to the birds starting to wake up, that was a place of peace for me. And I think of other things, you know, going to the beach, being by the water is always very peaceful for me. Uh, I think about taking my dog for a walk in the woods behind my house, not so much in the neighborhood, but when I'm walking in the woods, to me, that brings me peace in my soul. I was also thinking about over Thanksgiving, we were together with a good part of my family, and I was watching all the kids kind of interact with each other, and I was standing back and, you know, feeling kind of satisfied, but also feeling a sense of peace. I'm sure for you, you all have those things as well that bring you peace. So, of course, I also started thinking about what is it that robs me of my peace? You know, so many things in the world take away our peace these days. What are those things that rob me of my peace? And for me, it's the idea of chaos. It's not really noise, because when I had my family in, a, you know, our little Airbnb for Thanksgiving, uh, you know, all kind of playing and laughing and interacting with each other, um, that certainly wasn't in the least bit quiet, but there was still a sense of peace in that because it wasn't chaos. So it's chaos, things being out of control, this idea of us not having control, of feeling out of control. And so, of course, that begs the question, how do we regain that peace? And so the first thing I thought of this morning was, you know, maybe I should drink a little less espresso in the morning. You know, maybe that would calm me down. But I threw that idea out immediately because I really like my coffee. Um, but then I also thought, you know, the first thing that kind of comes to mind is if chaos and lack of control robs you of your peace, then the logical answer is, well, let's take back control. You know, let's get ourselves back in control of things. That'll give me peace. But we know that in the world, there are very few things that we have control over. We might like to think we have control. We might like to think we have the ability to have control. But the reality is, we really don't. There's a lot of things going on in the world. The world is a complex place. 
lots of moving parts, lots of things that are juggling and flying around in the air. I walked in here this morning before the 9 a.m. service, and if you ever come in here first thing in the morning, you're going to see all the people that are moving around and all the different things that are happening. And I think to myself, thank goodness, all I have to do is come up here and preach. Or, you know, on other Sundays, all I have to do is go back and work the computer um, because I wouldn't want to be in charge of, you know, all those balls that are in the air because life is complex. There's lots of things that are going on. And just, you know, in our own lives, in my own personal life, I've got balls that I'm juggling, my own school, my graduate class, my teaching at the schools, my working here, my, my kids that are here, my kids that are far, my husband, my dog, my house, my groceries, you know, all those things personally that I'm trying to, to keep in some kind of semblance of control. And then we look at just, you know, the world just right outside of us, and we've got, you know, we're in the time of the holidays, we've got Christmas coming up, and, you know, might look different for each one of you, but, you know, there might be traveling, there might be family commitments, there might be expectations that will or will not be met, all those things that we're trying to juggle and keep control over. And then, of course, you've got the wider world, you know, all you need to do is switch on the news and... You know, I usually immediately watch the weather and then switch the news right back off because there's so much chaos going on in the world, right? There's, there's this new pandemic variant, there's school shootings, there's poverty, there's refugees, there's just so much. It just becomes so completely overwhelming, so many things to try to think about. And we really don't have control over any of them because it's chaotic and it's just way too much to think about. So we have uh, many different faith groups in our church, and it's one of those ways that we get together and we learn more about God and we deepen our relationship with God. So I was in one of our home groups this past week, and we started talking about abundant life. So we were reading that scripture that says, Jesus came so that we may have life and have it abundantly. So we started talking about what does abundant life mean to each one of us in that group. And we all had slightly different answers. You know, it had to do with, you know, family. It had to do with health. It, it had to do with having the Spirit of God within us. But really, when you boil it all down, a lot of what it came down to was peace. Abundance of life means having peace in our souls, having peace in our hearts, having the Holy Spirit within us, giving us that kind of peace. And so Christ has told us, I leave you peace. My peace I leave you, not as the world gives. So it's not peace in the world. It's not peace that we're going to find out on the streets. It's not peace that we're going to find on the internet or watching the news. It's Christ's peace. And what is the peace of Christ? The peace of Christ is faith in the Father. The peace of Christ is faith in the Father. Let's remember that. That's where we are going to find our peace. And so as we're talking today and we're continuing on with the prophets and we're going to read in a couple minutes from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55, we know that the book of Isaiah and the words of the prophets are words for the people of the day, God's words through the prophets for the people of the day, but they're also words for us today. The words in the prophet Isaiah are God's message for us today. There is an important message in them it's not just for the people of old, and it will fundamentally change our future if we can take in this word of God and have faith in the word of God because God's word is a treasure. And every time we open up the Bible or open up our app, Bible app, we're opening up a treasure box. 
and it doesn't give us all the answers, would be really great, you know, if we could, you know, flip through the pages and say, turn to page 1,275 and get the answer on how to have a successful marriage, or turn to page 439 and, you know, get the answer on how to stop your toddler from saying no all the time. It's not really the way it works, because life is complicated and life is complex, and, you know, the Bible is an instruction book for our life, but not in that way. Because what the Bible really gives us is this sense and this assurance and this promise that God is in control of the chaos, that God has the complexity in hand, that we don't need to worry about it because God is in control. And knowing that gives us peace. Faith in the word of God will give us peace. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that your son gives us peace, that your son is the prince of peace. Be with us this morning as we open up our hearts and our minds for the message that you have for each one of us today, and may my words in this message just reflect your purpose. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to read the scripture in just a minute or two, but like I said before, we're in Isaiah 55. We're going to be reading verses 6 through 13 if you have a Bible or you have an app that you want to get ready for that. So just a little bit of background. We're reading from Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet that lived about 700 years before the birth of Christ. He lived in the southern kingdom of Judah. The kingdom was divided at the time. And he served under or prophesied under four different kings. And there's a lot going on in the book of Isaiah. But basically, his goal was to redirect his people. We had the people of Israel who had fallen away from God, who had moved away from their obedience, who had lost their faith. And Isaiah's goal was to try to turn them back to him, to try to take them from the direction they were going and turn them back into a path that was a little bit more in keeping with what God wanted them to do. And so in giving these messages, part of what Isaiah did was speak God's judgment. We know that the prophets were not always very popular guys, wasn't, wasn't the most coveted job in the world because the prophets spoke a lot about judgment. And we know that the judgments that Isaiah spoke came true, right? He spoke about the fact that God was going to send his judgment upon the people through the nations of uh, Syria and through the nation of Babylon, and that did happen. And the good thing about it, however, is that God doesn't leave us in that place. God doesn't leave us in a place of judgment. God doesn't leave us in a place where he's just speaking about the things that are going to happen that are bad. But the book of Isaiah also gives us a sense of hope, right? Isaiah spoke words of hope and words of assurance to God's people. And he made sure that they knew that the promises that God had made, that those covenant promises he had made in the past with Abraham and with David, they were going to come true. Yes, there was going to be some judgment, but there was also this hope, this hope that the promises were going to be fulfilled in God's time. And so in our scripture today, we're getting to this point where the Israelites were um, in Babylon, they were in exile, but they were at a point where they had been told, you can leave. The, the Babylonian empire had fallen, these people can return back to Israel. But there was this thought, this thought that these people were going to be, you know, joyful and happy and they were going to leave and they were going to sing God's praises and, and sing praises of his grace and his mercy, but that isn't what happened. So the people, the Israelites, had hardened their hearts. 
They were arguing with God. You don't really care about us. You don't really have our best interest in mind. You abandoned us in Babylon. And so their hearts were hardened. Things weren't going the way that it was planned. But God wasn't going to let that happen. So he started to take another track. And so what he did in the you know, latter part of the book of Isaiah was start talking about a um, suffering servant, somebody who was going to come and who was going to lead the people. And he started contrasting this idea of the people who would become servants versus the people who were going to condemn them and persecute them and remain in their evil ways. And so this is where we are when we read the scripture here today. So 55, 6 through 13. And and I read from the English Standard Version. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So let's remember a couple of things about prophecy as we go forward and discuss this passage. And we learned at the very beginning when we started our, our sermon series on prophets that prophecy isn't just about foretelling the future. We know that that's part of it because we know that the words of Isaiah did come true, but it's more, more than that. The words of the prophets are meant to bring us closer to God, meant to help us to get to know God, help us to deepen our relationship to God. And then when we look at prophecy, we also remember that prophecy is kind of like looking at a mountain range. And we don't have a lot of mountain ranges here in the Plymouth area, but if you go out west and then further out west, you're going to see when you're looking at the mountains, you know, you've got these different peaks and they look like they're right on top of each other. But as you get closer, you notice that there's big gaps in between them. So prophecy is kind of like that. It has a message for people in the day in which it was written. And it has a message for people going on. So the prophecy that happens in Isaiah had a message and a truth for the people who had been in this Babylonian exile. It also has a message for the people who were waiting for the birth of the Messiah, who were under Roman um, occupation. And then it also has a message for us here today. So today, as we stand in our own lives and we stand in a complex world that sometimes has chaos in it, There's a word that speaks to us today as well. And the verses start out this morning with this plea for us to come back to God, for us to give up our own uh, wicked thoughts and unrighteous ways and to align ourselves with the Lord, a plea to seek God and to come to him. 
And so that's how this scripture starts out. Let go and let God. Let go, stop having control, and focus and take on the mind of God. So we're being asked here to have faith in God or faith in the word of God. And I was thinking this morning about the, the faith of a child. You know, sometimes it's hard to have faith. Why do children have faith in their grown-ups? And it's because they have faith that their grown-ups know what they're talking about. They have faith that um, their grown-ups have, the, have their best interest in mind. They, they have faith and they believe that their parents are going to be taking care of them. The faith of a child, somehow as we grow up, we kind of start losing that. And so how do we as a people who look to gain our peace by gaining control, how do we learn and how can we have faith in the Word of God? And so there are some things in the Scripture this morning that I think give us a little bit of an idea and a clue and a key to gaining that. So the first thing that we read when we look at the Scripture is that the Word of God is holy. We'll look back on verses 8 and 9, and it says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. The heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God's thoughts and God's ways and God's word are holy. They're holy, they're set apart, they're higher than ours. How high are they? They're as high as the heavens from the earth. They're as high as the east is from the west. They're as high as the, the biggest expanse that you can possibly think of, and then, you know, double that. There is a huge expanse in between the way we think and the way that we behave and the holiness of God, between our sinfulness here on earth and the holiness of God. I asked Rick, I was reading some of this to Rick um, last night, and I said, how does that make you feel? You know, when we say God is so much higher than you, God is magnificent, his word is perfect, so much more than yours. And, you know, he kind of chuckled and he said, considering the source, I'm kind of okay with that. You know, if it was somebody else telling me that, I might not, you know, appreciate it so much. But considering it's God, he said, I'll take that. That's okay. Um, God is God and we're not. Thank goodness, right? I'm so glad that I don't have to have all those balls juggled up in the air. You know, I can barely keep my own calendar straight in my own mind sometimes, um, never mind anything else. There are things that I know. There are things that you know. Those are far outnumbered, at least for me, by the things I don't know. Many things I don't know, many things I have absolutely no control over. And the good news is, we don't have to have all the answers. Now, that might come as a, as a surprise and a shock to some people who, you know, like to have all the answers, but we really don't have to have them, and we're really not going to have them. I was reading something at some point, a quote by um, Albert Einstein, and he didn't know his own phone number, and somebody asked him why, and he said, well, why should I fill my mind with, you know, that kind of information, I can just look it up. And that's true for us, you know, that's why God invented YouTube, so that we had an expert that we could go to for everything. You know, there are things that I can tinker with, and there are things that are best left to somebody else. And then the, there's those in-between things that I can look it up on YouTube, you know, YouTube's a great friend, because we're not the expert on everything. And I've always told my kids that, you know, when they they kind of got to an age they used to think that, you know, mom knew everything and they'd ask a question and I, I, I don't know. They're like, but your mom, how do you not know that? It's like, you know, I don't know it, you don't know it, but there's somebody out there who knows it. And we're so grateful to know that we serve a God. We serve an expert in all things having to do with life. We don't have to have all the answers because his answers, his word, 
his wisdom is absolutely superior to ours because he has knowledge that we don't have and he has a perspective that we don't have. And this is a visual I really love to have in my mind. You know, the fact that God sees the end from the beginning. You know, we're in this little piece in our own personal history and we see, you know, right around us, we can remember, you know, I, I might not remember what I had for dinner last night, but I can remember a little bit, right, about what's happened in my past and, you know, I can see what's happening. But God has this vision of being above the world and seeing the end from the beginning. And, you know, to put it in a little bit of perspective, you can imagine that you're in traffic and there's a bend in the road up ahead of you and you're trying to figure out, you know, should I pass this car? Should I go, go on ahead? What's going on? And God's in the helicopter and he's looking down and he can tell us, you know, yeah, it's clear or no, the bridge is given up, you know, given out up ahead. Stay where you are. We might not be able to see it, but God's perspective and God's wisdom is such that he has those answers. And so we can trust what he's saying because he has a greater perspective and a greater wisdom and he is perfectly wise perfectly wise in his thoughts, perfectly thought, perfectly wise in his ways. And that can give us a comfort as we're going through hardships and uncertainties and the mysteries of life. We know that God's perspective is heavenly and perfect. And so we don't have to worry about that. We can take some comfort in the fact that God's word is holy. And so we understand that there's this big gap, right? There's this gap between the, the ways of God and our ways here on earth, and, you know, that can feel like not very cozy, right? You know, God's way up here and we're way down here. Might not feel very good, but thankfully, we serve a God who is not a lofty God. We serve a God who doesn't stay up in the heavens and watch us from afar. We serve a God who wants to get involved in our human lives, we serve a God who wants to be a part of the things that are going on. And so he has found a way to bridge that gap, and he's bridged that gap through his word. Like he said in this, in this scripture, his word comes from his mouth and it falls onto the earth like snow and like rain. And so he has bridged that gap between him and between us. And so we can have faith in the word of God because his word is going to fulfill its purpose. He has given us, given us his word like rain and like snow, and it is going to fulfill its purpose. We look back at verse 11 and we see, you know, my word that goes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but shall fulfill its purpose, that which I have given it to do. His word will fulfill his purpose because God is going to get the job done. And his word is sent down to us just as the rain and the snow nourish the earth, it's sent down to us to nourish us and to help us grow. And we might think that we have some control over our own growth and we have some control over the way that we are sprouting in this world, but in reality, we really don't. We might think we have some control over that, but we really have no power in that. We rely solely on God's nourishment to be able to give us those things to grow and to grow our faith and to grow ourselves in this world. Um, I read a quote by Martin Luther that says, Reason says the strength belongs not to the rain and snow, but to the earth. But when we experience the absence of rain, we see what the earth produces. So he takes away the glory of the earth and shows that it is not the earth that does it, but that it is accomplished by the rain. Here you see that everything is produced by the word. It's not us. It's the word of God coming down from heaven through the words of the prophets in flesh through his son and through the words in the Bible. 
That is the nourishment that we rely upon, not anything that we do ourselves. And so there might be this sense of, you know, and I, I will admit, I used to think of the scripture like this, you know, God's words are higher than ours, God's ways are higher than ours. I can just, you know, oh, God's got it under control. I can just sit back. I don't need to do anything. But those words are not vindicating us from responsibility. We still have some responsibility in all of this. In uh, John 17, Jesus prays, For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you have sent me. So we have been given the word. We have been given the words through the prophets. We have been given the word in Jesus Christ. We have been given the words, and now there is something that we need to do with them. We have been commissioned to send those words out into the world because God is also going to use us through his word to fulfill his purpose because his words are not going to return to him empty and we are part of that solution. And so as we bring others to Christ, I get down to my third point, which is the fact that we can have faith in God's word because we know that his word brings forth new life. And we see some of that in our own lives here today. As we spread the word of God, as we take in the word of God, first off, we can see new life in ourselves. I can see new life in myself as I have come to walk closer to the Lord. And then as you fulfill God's purpose by spreading the word of God, you can see lives being transformed. And we know we're not transforming them. We know that it's the power of the spirit that transforms the lives of people and brings forth new life but we're part of that. We get to participate in that because God uses us to fulfill his purpose and to bring forth his words and to bring forth new life out of that. And so we experience a little bit of that here today, but in full, the full experience of that is going to happen in the end. The full experience of that is going to come in the age to come. You know, there's a way for us to experience this here on earth today, this new life and this fulfillment of God's words, but the fullness of that is going to happen in the ages to come. I just want to reread verses 12 and 13, talking about really heaven on earth. And it says, for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. What a beautiful vision. What a beautiful vision of the new Jerusalem. What a beautiful vision of God's purpose for us in eternity. You know, we think back to Genesis, in Genesis 3, it says, Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles that shall bring forth to you. So what we're being described here is a complete reversal of that curse. In the end, in the ages to come, that is God's ultimate purpose, that that curse would be completely reversed and that the earth, instead of making our lives harder and making life harder um, and the work harder, that it's going to fully support human life. And it's going to be so amazing as the kingdom of God is established here on earth and, and God's people, his redeemed people, go out in peace and are led forth in peace and come out in joy. And it's going to be so amazing that all creation is going to sing. All creation is going to sing God's praises. The trees are going to clap. The trees are going to be singing God's praises. Everything is going to burst into joy and into song glorifying God. And that is God's ultimate purpose. 
And so God has given us his word so that we can know him. You know, there's a little quip that goes, no God, you know, N-O God, no God. So if there's no God, you have no peace. And then if you know God, you know peace. The peace comes in belief and in faith in the Father. So his word comes to us. It's come to us through the prophets as we're reading today. His word has come to us through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, comes to us as a living word. And then we also have the word of God in the Bible. We have all these things to get to know him more and in knowing him to have peace. And we know that we can have faith in his word because his word is holy. His word is set apart. His word is above ours. His ways are above ours. His wisdom is eternal. His perspective is infinite. We can have faith in his word because of that. We can have faith in his word because he has given it a purpose. And he promises that that purpose shall be fulfilled. And he promises that his word will not return to him empty. And we're part of that. We're part of that purpose. And we can have faith in his word because it nourishes. It nourishes us. It nourishes us in order to nourish others. And it brings forth new life. And we are part of that purpose. Let's remember that this morning. We are part of that purpose. God will do great things for us and in us and through us as we seek him and as we come closer to him and as we align our thoughts and our ways with his because God is going to use us in ways that we can barely fathom to bring about his purpose, to give us joy, and to bring about peace in this world. So let's remember Yahweh Shalom, God is peace. The peace of Christ is faith in the Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that we can just put all our trust and faith in you and in the words that you've spoken because we know that those words are holy and set apart. And we know that those words are going to bring, apart, bring upon your purposes. And that purpose is life everlasting and life in this beautiful creation that's going to sing your praises. Help us to remember that we are part of that purpose. Help us to remember that we have a job to do. And just help us gain that peace for ourselves and bring that peace to others in the world. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.